Would you pray with me? Loving God, we give you thanks for bringing us into this beautiful place of worship so where we can sing praises to your name, enjoy one another's company, but be un uplifted in spirit and be transformed in the hearing and reading of your word. God, we ask that in this hearing, your spirit may speak to us, that our hearts and minds may be open to hear you and our lives be transformed in your presence. We ask this all in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. There was a rich man who was dressed in purple and fine linen, who feasted sumptuously every day. And at his gate lay a poor man named Lazarus, covered with sores, who longed to satisfy his hunger with what fell from the rich man's table. Even the dogs would come and lick his sores. The poor man died and was carried away by the angels to be with Abraham. The rich man also died and he was buried, and in Hades, where he was being tormented, he looked up and he saw Abraham far away with Lazarus by his side. He called out, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am in agony in these flames." But Abraham said, Child, remember that during your lifetime you received your good things, and Lazarus in like manner evil things. But now he is comforted here, and you are in agony. Besides all of this, between you and us a great chasm has been fixed, so that those who might want to pass from here to you cannot do so, and no one can cross from there to us. He said, Then, Father, I beg you to send him to my father's house, for I have five brothers, that he may warn them so that they will not also come into this place of torment. Abraham replied, They have Moses and the prophets. They should listen to them. Abraham, or the rich man said, No, Father Abraham, but if someone goes to them from the dead, they will repent. He said to him, If they do not listen to Moses and the prophets, neither will they be convinced, even if someone rises from the dead. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Over the next four weeks, we're going to be exploring this story through our Advent season. We're going to be diving into each section and learning from it and tying it with the scripture, and I hope experiencing and living out the gospel story in the process. So today we begin with Ebenezer. Ebenezer, before he had been visited by the ghost, before anything in the story had happened, and if you don't know the story, I hope this fills you in, and maybe you want to watch them up at Christmas Carol for a really entertaining uh, refresher of the story before we dive in even further. But Ebenezer Scrooge is known as a tight-fisted, hand-to-the-grindstone sort of man that trampled on the poor, ignored them completely, and if that wasn't bad enough, he made their lives miserable. Anyone who would wish him Merry Christmas, he would reply, Bah humbug, right? This has, he hated Christmas. He hated the joy and laughter that it brought. He didn't see himself in it. And over the course of the book, we start to understand a little bit of why. But in these beginnings of the story, 
We just know this man who absolutely hated the poor, who said it would be right if they didn't want to go to the poor houses, if they didn't want to go to the prisons, if they didn't want to go into the workhouses, then they ought to die. There was no room for the poor in his heart and in his life. This is how our story opens. It's very similar to the passage that we just read where we have the rich man feasting at a table, enjoying the food, enjoying all of the goodness that comes with having that wealth, wearing purple linens didn't uh, kind of stood out to me in, uh, as I was wearing my purple stole today. But he was feasting at the table and just outside of his door, just outside of earshot, just outside uh, of his table feast was a poor man named Lazarus. And the scripture compares these two, that Lazarus was covered in sores and the dogs would come and lick his sores. And all that he wanted in life, all that he longed for in life, was just to get some of the food that had fallen off the rich man's table onto the floor. We see these parallels between the rich man and Scrooge. But what we experience in the Christmas carol, what we experience in today's scripture, is this understanding that we do have a limited time. There is a short window of our lifetime where we can make changes in our lives, where we can be transformed, that our attitude on life, how we treat other people, how we encounter the divine, how we live with our fellow man, we have a short window where things can be transformed. For Lazarus, the transformation did not happen. Or sorry, for the rich man, the transformation didn't happen. They had gone at, through their whole life with Lazarus eating and, and, and poor and suffering and agony from the sores and being hungry and the rich man uh, going through life with his riches. And then they both die. And on one side of the chasm with Father Abraham is Lazarus, who lived in agony his whole life. And on the other side, you have uh, the rich man burning in agony in Hades. And the rich man calling up to Father Abraham, not even to Lazarus, but to Father Abraham, saying, send Lazarus to help me. He still doesn't see Lazarus as a fellow human being. Send Lazarus to help me. Send just a, a drop of water off his finger for my tongue. And Father Abraham says, you know he can't do that. First of all, when you were in luxury and living up life and he was in agony, you did not lift up his agony. You did not let morsels fall from your table to feed him. But even if he wanted to, he couldn't because of this division, this, this, this chasm between them. The story sets up that, that what we do in this life matters and, and the time that we have matters and we ought to use it well, making sure that we keep our eye on our fellow man and how we treat them and how they're living. And then we go back to the Christmas carol, we have this play the, the, this play on the same in, imagery where you have, you have Scrooge who, who, who hates Christmas, who hates his fellow man, who wants to be alone, who, who has hoarded wealth, who has uh, kicked people out of their homes because he was a moneylender and they couldn't pay his bills or pay his interest. And he would charge them exorbitant interest. 
and people would suffer. His own worker, he would not pay him enough to care for his whole family. We see these echoes of this gospel story, this parable that Jesus is telling in the shaping of this Christmas carol. But there's one difference. Unlike the parable where nobody can make that chasm between Hades and and the promised land or between the living and the dead, Scrooge has a friend that comes back to him in ghost form, Marley, and warns him that he's going to be visited by these three ghosts, the past, the present, and the future, and to be ready. Now, what we find in the beginning of this story, and one of the reasons why I really like the Muppet Christmas Carol, is because it makes a visual reference of the chains that Marley talks about that Scrooge has already had. Scrooge has no idea these chains are wrapped around him. He has no idea how bound he is in this life. He has no idea that the way he is living is not only separating him from the rest of mankind, but wrapping him up in chains that he cannot see, cannot feel, but keeps him utterly bound in this life. He cannot live life to the fullest. He cannot experience all that life has to offer. He has no idea how terribly bound up he is as he goes about his life. He thinks this is the normal and better way of living when we are shown in these stories and in these images that he is truly confined. With all of his wealth, with all of his uh, prestige, with everything going on, he thinks he has the security that he longs for, but in reality, he has no freedom. How many of us in our lives today, how many of us who are here, find ourselves bound by unseen chains? How many of us here think we have freedom, think we have it good, but are really bound up by things that we do not even realize are binding us? For Scrooge, it was that desire for sense of security, that desire for money and wealth and, and, and self, uh, self-importance isn't quite word, quite the right word. But this idea that he, can, he only needs himself, self-reliant. He, he, he sees freedom in that, but in reality it's binding him from experiencing the fellowship of those around him. Experiencing the joy and laughter that life brings. Experiencing the freedom that Christ offers as Christ tears away those chains that we wrap ourselves in because we are always doing it. Whether it's our desire for security, our desire for stability, whether it's our desire for uh, things to remain familiar to us. What can seem good and hopeful and securing, if taken too far and let drive us so much, ultimately wraps us in chains that we cannot see. 
We see the effects of this in our world today as we try to divide ourselves from the other. We try to set ourselves apart and saying, the people who are with me are right and good, and the people that are not with me, that disagree with me, that look different from me, they're separate, they are bad, and as long as we can keep those two things separated, then I am secure, the world is right and good, and I can live. We see this in, in, in the world as it tries to divide among race and of gender, trying to defi- de- decide and define uh, norms and expectations. We say, these people are good because they look and act in ways that I like, and anyone that isn't doesn't belong. We see Christian groups doing this all of the time, unfortunately, trying to decide and defend this, uh, some crazy idea that, that a white Christianity is the best way to go and is the fullest expression of divine love. And this is true. These groups exist. These Christian churches exist. Trying to create those divisions because we feel safer when we're with people who li- are like us who think like us, who worship like us, who dress like us. And in the reality, when we try to create those boundaries, when we try to create that separation, we try to keep people at bay, we end up wrapping ourselves in the very chains that keep us confined and from experiencing the fullness that God has in store for his world, his community, his church. Just this weekend, uh, on Friday, I took Joshua into the city, into Philly, for a board game convention. I know I'm weird. We can talk about it out there if you want. (laughs) If we have that kind of time. But there is that temptation, even walking off of the subway, walking through the station, walking through the streets, and you see that person saying, do you have any change? Do you have any money? Can you help me out here? And there is that temptation to ignore them completely, to try to separate them walking on the other side of the street. You don't want to say no because saying no is just wrong. I should be helping the poor. So if I can't hear them ask, or if I pretend I didn't hear them, or if I pretend that they're not there, then I don't have to say yes, but I don't have to say no either and feel bad about it. I think there was about five or six people just from the train station into the convention center just asking, do you have change? Can you help me? And I've got to admit, I hardly ever carry cash, and I literally did not have anything, and I had to tell them that. But it was the truth at the time. But there was that temptation of, well, if I just turn my head down, I just look away, Pretend I didn't hear them. There's all other people that might be able to answer them walking around me. I mean, this line to get into the convention center was three people deep wrapped around the block at one point. There's other people that will say yes. There's other people that will have money. But if I give in to that temptation to ignore, if I give in to that temptation to not look them in the eye and say, I'm sorry, I can't even, if that at, at, at the minimum We are wrapping ourselves in chains that bind our actions, bind our hearts, bind our souls when we ignore our fellow man, when we ignore 
the, the needs around us when we pretend they don't exist or pretend we don't have any role in it. The whole point of this first part of the Christmas carol, this first stave, is to establish Scrooge as this person that has cut himself off, who is bound in chains, who is bound beyond hope. He is so far gone. And in this first stave, we hear the beginnings of the gospel message that I want to share with you today before we move on. That no matter how far down the hole you've gone, no how bound you are, no matter how you, whether or not you feel like there is room for hope, there is always room for an inbreaking of something supernatural to bring about the work. Now, in the Christmas carol, there are ghosts. There's spirits. There's all of that. And we're going to talk about each of those ghosts and what they might mean. But for us as Christians, for the world as it is now, bound up in the chains that we build for ourselves, there is the hope and the promise of the Holy Spirit. That supernatural ghost, that supernatural outside of reality divineness that is working within us to call us and say, look at the chains that you're surrounded in. Look at your life right now. Take a look and don't just see what you want to see. Don't just see what your eyes let you see. But take an honest look and are you truly free? Because the first step of redemption, the first step on Scrooge's journey, the first step on our journey is recognizing where we are recognizing who we are, recognizing the ways that we bound ourselves up by our sins, by our station in life, by the ways that we want to separate ourselves from others and see the chains as if for the first time. The Holy Spirit is what gives us that ability to see them, to recognize them, and then seek out to be rid of them. And there's a lot of ways that we try to ignore the Spirit's prompting. And a lot of ways that we say, no, that's not God. That's just a piece of indigestion. It's a little bit of heartburn. It's not God telling me anything. We come up with reasons to stay in the chains because they're comfortable and we don't see them. It's not until the Spirit works at us and constantly pokes us and prods us and say, look, Look at you now. There is freedom possible and hope possible and a reality beyond all expectations that's possible. But you've got to get rid of the things that are binding you to experience it. Sometimes that's pain from the past. Sometimes that's something like loneliness in the present. Sometimes it's a fear of the future. The chains that bind us are plentiful. They come back even if we get rid of them if we're not careful. But there is always hope because God's Spirit is always with us, calling us to see Him, calling us to see how we wrap ourselves in these false chains and see how we are truly bound so that we can cast them away and experience the fullness of life. And so over the next couple of weeks, next week, the chains of the past. 
we look at how our past shapes us, how it, how it builds us, how it can set us free, but also how it binds us. The following week, we look at the present. The ways that our current lives build up those chains and what is available even now in if we experience and claim that hope and freedom. And then those chains of the fear of the future. How the future can either be something that we are terrified of and want to avoid at all costs, or something that actually can give a promise and a life and future and give us hope. And then Christmas Eve morning at 10 a.m., we take a look at my favorite scenes of the Christmas Carol story and why I prefer the, um, the one with Patrick Stewart of having gone through and tried to break those chains of past, present, and future with supernatural help, the joy that comes with Christmas, the joy that comes with that freedom. So that's our pathway going forward. This is, this is kind of like a sermon series that I've always wanted to do, and I haven't done it yet because I love this story so much. But I hope you'll join us throughout it if you can come. It truly will be a blessing. Loving God, even in the bleakness of the rain and the darkness that can surround us, we are reminded that it is not permanent, that there is light above the clouds waiting to break through, and that light will overcome all darkness. In these moments, let us trust in you. Let us trust in your light. Let us trust in your goodness and faithfulness that have shown time and time again that you will not leave us in our sin, you will not leave us in our suffering or loneliness, that you will not leave us in despair, but that you walk beside us, that your light shines forth and brings healing and hope. So let us see your light where it is shining. Let us be mirrors to reflect that light even into the deeper recesses that need it most for those places in our world, in our community, in our lives and in the lives of the people that we know where the darkness seems so strong that hope seems impossible, but, but your light brings forth all good things. Help us to see it where it is. Help us to reflect it where it is needed. Help us to see those who are hurting, those who are bound in chains, those who are uh, bound out of fear from experiencing your fullness of life. Shape our ministries to do that as well. In this season of Christmas, of Advent and Christmas, we pray for all those who will pass through our doors, for all those who, uh, who might experience the, the, the transformation that you offer. We pray for our community, especially for those who need to experience it for themselves. We lift up those to be the people that we've lifted up today. We lift up the family of Harold Parkish, as they grieve his passing. We lift up the unnamed person diagnosed with colon cancer that they they might experience healing and strength during the treatments ahead, that you would care for the doctors and nurses that will bring that healing to him. We lift up people who are in our hearts and our minds We lift up situations that we are unaware of but do not fully understand. We do so in gratitude that you are there to hear our prayers, 
but also in gratefulness that you know exactly what's going on and that you are already in their midst because they are your beloved children. So wherever there is suffering, wherever there is loneliness and doubt, wherever there is hatred and pain, wherever we have divided ourselves from another, wherever we build those barriers hoping to keep evil at bay or what we think is evil at bay, knowing that the people that we keep on the other side are your beloved children as well and that you call out to them. They are a part of your beloved creation. Guide us in our words, guide us in our actions as we go through each day. Let us speak hope, light, and life. Let us take our own joy and our own celebrations and our own blessedness and use it for the purpose of bringing blessing to others. We pray for all the places in our world that are hurting this day. We pray for Israel. We pray for Palestine. We pray for all those who face violence and the threat of violence each day because of where they are, where they live, what they believe, the color of their skin, their gender, who they love. The divisions we make are not what you have in mind. For you are calling all people to yourself. And you don't ask us to make those divisions and those distinctions. Mm. So help us. Help us to be your church. Help us to be your people wherever we find ourselves. Help us to be a people of hope. We ask this all in the name of Christ, who taught his disciples to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses. Again, those trespasses against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. And now receive this benediction. May you go from this place trusting in the one who has called you, the one who is already at work in our world, the one who invites us to be a part of God's redemption, redemptive plan. May you prepare for Christmas in this Advent season, not only looking to celebrate his Christ's first coming, but preparing yourself and the world around you for his second. May you trust in him to guide you and bring you peace. And now let us say the words that we say each week. Send to us all those, or sorry, who feel unwanted and unloved in other places. And if they can't come to us, send us to them.